Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you for the instruction of your word. Thank you because you've granted us wisdom. Thank you because you've granted us understanding and insight in the revelation of the person of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that tonight you just strengthen our hearts, you open our hearts to your global purposes and what you want to accomplish through us. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All right, so this evening I just want to um, look at something that I, I consider that it's both prophetic and it's both instructional. It's a teaching and it's also a call, a wake-up call for women all over. So I call it relevant for God's eternal purpose, God's clarion call to women. Relevant to God's eternal purpose, God's clarion call to women. And uh, what I'm going to do, we, I'm trying to work on an ebook. On this, so that's going to be available by next week, which is part of the things I'm getting ready to, to share. Because I just sensed in my spirit, as we, as I was thinking of getting ready for the ladies' gathering, what subject to teach, what to teach, and and all that. And this came very strong in my heart about um, encouraging women to stand up to function in what God has called them to do. And one of the things we find that is very interesting is this. When we get into a room, you know, and there's a lot of conversation about other people, you know, you're talking about other people, other people, and nobody is really concerned about what your need is, sometimes you feel disconnected. And for a long time, you know, I, I personally struggled with teaching women, you know, because and so I know some of you, when you invite your friends to come for a meeting and they say, who is teaching? You mention. Okay, probably not my name. I say it's Pastor Max. Ah, what about his wife? You know, because people always feel that for a women's meeting, you know, a lady who has been through it or who understands the challenges should do the teaching. So personally, I struggled with hosting such meetings until I got the liberty of the Lord to do it, which means that truth is eternal. If it's in the word of God, anybody can teach it. You don't have to, I don't have to be a woman to teach what is in the word of God. But if I'm teaching a gender sensitive topic, then that's different. But what I found out is some, some, somehow that has become a limitation to the purposes of God on the earth. Because when we gather as women, so I'll use as women. <laughs> when we gather as women, what are we taught? How to keep your marriage, how to preserve your marriage, how to keep your husband. I know I was talking to a group of men the other day. I said, why is it that it's only women that are taught on how to keep their marriages? Why are men taught that way? It's almost looking like the men are doing the favor or the, the men are, being, uh, are the ones that can do whatever they want to do, but the woman has to struggle. Have you ever gone to a men's prayer meeting and they say, let's pray for our marriages? No, they don't feel it's anybody's business, right? But when you go to a women's prayer meeting, what's the first point? Let's pray for our marriages. So there's this, there's this thing that, okay, it's a woman that has to keep the home. It's a woman that has to keep the man. It's a woman. And because of that, we have this expectation from the women parts of the body of Christ 
that in a way will not totally tally with the eternal purpose of God. Now you understand when I, when I, when I, when I continue teaching, all right? So when you come for a women's conference, the first thing they're teaching you is how to make the bed sheet, how to cook, and uh, before you know, you move vocational skills into the church, how to make smoothies in a way that your husband will like, and all that. And unconsciously, we even forget that God might be entrusting us with a greater purpose than making the bed sheets right. We might even forget that there's something higher and deeper and more passionate in the heart of God, which is soul winning. So, the thought that crossed my mind while I was putting all this together, I haven't seen in recent times a women conference where they say, where we want to teach the women how to win souls. I haven't seen that. Right? Because no, ah, no, no, no. Let's, let's do something to keep the home together. Or what you hear is maybe women arise, Deborah arise. And what does Deborah arise mean? Go into the workplace, conquer, be there. And so tonight's meeting is to pull you back to the eternal purpose of God. Which, amazingly, I found something interesting which we'll read, but it, it really, really, really stretched my mind. That the first person that Jesus committed the gospel to, to say to Peter, was a woman. Wasn't a man, was a woman. And as I began to study the scriptures, I began to see that there was so much trust that God had on women to proclaim the gospel that in our own days it's looking like we don't have that trust or we'll find something more engaging. So I said, What exactly is in God's mind? So make sure you get the ebook after if you have your number there, I'll send it to you once it's edited. What exactly is on God's mind? What is God thinking? We don't just want to be Christians who come to church every time, come for fellowship, and all we're concerned about is how God is going to keep us, how God is going to bless us. We want to find out what's in the mind of God. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 6. I'm going to go through the scriptures quickly, so you can write that down, and if they have them up there, you can, yeah. For this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So God wants everyone saved and God wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to observe that. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. I'm using the NLT translation. The man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So God has an idea in his heart that he wants the whole world to be saved. And he wants the world to come to the knowledge of the truth of God's word. He wants them to come to the knowledge of this truth. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 23. Like I said, I'm going to run through a lot of scriptures. So just write them down. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Says the sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and leave. So God doesn't want people dying. He wants people to turn from their wicked ways and to leave. John chapter 3 verse 17. God sent his son into the world. Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So the purpose of God sending his son to the world is to save the world. So we see that God has a global agenda. What is the global agenda? Salvation for every man, for every woman, and that people will come to the knowledge of this truth. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. 
For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Mark chapter 16 verse 11. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And I like this. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So we find something interesting here. God wants every man saved. God wants the knowledge of, his, of the gospel to go into all the nations of the earth. God wants that the grace that has appeared to men for their salvation, that they hear this good news. This is God's dream. This is God's agenda. Beyond God blessing us, beyond God increasing us, beyond God making us fruitful, God wants people to come to the knowledge of the word of God. To come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's God's big dream. That's God's big agenda. That's, that's everything God is about. That's exactly the reason God made us to be believers. Now, let's go to Psalm 62, 67 verse 2. Psalm 67 verse 2. New Living Translation. That you may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. So, I want you to see that salvation is important to God. The gospel is important to God. It's God's passion. It's God's heart. God wants us to go into all the world and preach the good news to all people. I want you to note the words that we've been reading. All nations, everyone, the whole earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. Interestingly, not is only this a dream in the heart of God. It's a travail in the heart of God. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10 to 11. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10 to 11. You know Isaiah chapter 53 talks about redemption. In verse 1 it starts with who has believed our message. Now what is that message? Verse 10 to 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul. The word labor there in the Greek is the travail of his soul. And be satisfied by his, and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear the in, their iniquities. What he's trying to say was describing the process of the cross. That when Jesus was going through the cross, it was because there is a travail for his seed to be birthed on the earth. What's that travail? The travail is that people will come to the knowledge of Christ. And look at what it says there. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. No one can describe labor pains to a woman. You know, even as men, we try to describe it. They will give you the numbers. This is about nobody. Only women can really tell you what labor pain is. And the scripture is saying that God wants to see the labor of his soul. What's the labor? What, why did God go through all that on the cross? Because he wants to see many come to what? To salvation. So we're, tr we're still trying to establish God's dream. We must not substitute the paying of school fees, feeding the poor, buying of bread, taking care of orphans for preaching the gospel. Why that is good 
it can just be an exercise in making sure sinners live healthy and educated without receiving the gift of salvation it's easy to just feel oh well i'm taking care of many poor people i'm sending this one to school i'm paying these school fees i'm feeding these poor people i'm taking care of this and and we're not concerned if those people are born again and you know what that means we are just making sure sinners are healthy they are very educated because to us a virtuous woman is the one who takes care of the poor and I'm, i must say this now i wish i was saying this to the whole church unconsciously the mission of the church is being redirected so what's the test of a good church now how many poor people we can feed how many people we can send to school it's almost like we are in a competition of good works right and we have forgotten that we were established for only one purpose let me tell you this if you do not preach the gospel nobody else will nobody else has the mandate to preach the gospel not the government not the universities not the ngos only the church has that mandate we cannot we cannot go and fight the ngos on their terrain of good works am i saying these are bad no absolutely but like the words of jesus we must not leave the weightier matters of the lord that's your housemaid is she born again is she oh you are just conscious that ah this girl can walk ah since she came i've been resting and you are busy fattening a sinner making sure she looks nice decorating a sinner and god is just wondering Probably we need to even backtrack to make sure that you are born again first because that's where to even start. Do you understand what the gospel is? And so this is God's agenda. This is the heartbeat of God. You cannot just be caught up in the things being sold out to women out there to just think that everything about you, which is brilliant, is just about making sure that you're a nice wife. Beyond that, God has an expectation for you. And God has a dream. It's good to be a brilliant mother. Excellent to be a wonderful wife. But it's best if you can be entrusted with God's vision and God's dream. Let's go on. In Luke chapter 19 verse 41. Luke chapter 19 verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Why did Jesus weep? Verse 42. Saying, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. It's, it's like saying Jesus looked over the city and said, hey, come on, John chapter 1 will tell you this. He came to his own and they received him not, but to them that received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. They rejected him. And Jesus literally cried over the city you know there are very few times jesus wept probably twice right over lazarus and over the city they could not receive the message and he cried so can you imagine god's heart right now when he looks over our region and the gospel is not being preached and the truth is not being shared and the message of salvation is not going forth can you imagine his heart who wants to say god is crying but most likely he will still be weeping over our cities but interestingly we're caught up in things we're doing stuff we're being taught stuff i mean even personally for me this was 
a wake-up call because I even think of like all the ladies gathering that I've been teaching. Of course, I've been teaching some extra things and good stuff. And I'm like, are people being equipped to really fulfill this purpose? And I'm, I'm challenging you tonight. This is between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. This is between you and God right now. To go back and think if God can entrust you with his purpose. World missions was on God's mind from the beginning. A man by the name of Dave Davidson said that. But Pierce, the founder of World Vision, says, Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Unconsciously, as women, you can be so passionate about other things except the proclamation of the gospel. And this will be very valid and good things. Homemaking, cooking, raising children, gardening. But the question is, are you actively preaching the gospel? Are our women conferences actively teaching us how to present the gospel? Is our understanding of the word open to enough to teach the gospel? Next month, I'm going to teach on the, uh, on the role of fivefold ministers. Are we being equipped with this gospel? Let's, let's, I, I want all of us to think, even as a pastor, I'm asking myself the same question. Am I equipping you enough with the gospel to go out there and share it? As interesting as it will be, after all the food in the world has been cooked, you know that's all still vanity. Am I right? I know you won't agree right now, but you know that's still vanity, right? It's not eternal. It's not eternal. What is eternal is the spirit of men. The most educated man on earth who is not born again is still lost. We must begin to review things in the perspective of eternal value. Am I saying all of these things we've been doing are bad? Please understand. I'm not saying it is bad. I'm just calling you that there you know, are things that we have left undone that we must return to. I think that's the best way to put it. Alright? So we have this gender stereotype that even exists among believers. And whenever we gather women conferences together, whenever we get together as women, we just have something that we're always popping up that is very strong in our mind. And sometimes... We have even forgotten that we should put the agenda of soul winning as top priority in our meetings because that's what is in God's heart. That's what is in God's heart. Now, in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. If any man is in Christ. You know that when the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not just talking about men, right? Hello? Do you agree with that? Okay, come on. I want all of us to read that now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Verse 17. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has done what? Giving us what? The ministry of reconciliation. Who has he given the ministry of reconciliation? Those he was referring to in verse 17. Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? Okay, some of you are not sure yet. Maybe we need to do salvation. Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? So what does that imply? 
what does that imply from verse 18 you have a ministry of reconciliation has it been given to you or not come on has it been given to you or not it has been given to you so the question is are you fulfilling this ministry look at it now because it's easy to go claim i'm a new creation in christ jesus if god be for me who can be against me and claim all the scriptures the question is don't stop at verse 17 just move down a little bit verse 18 he has given you so something has been given to you and paul says say to archipos colossians take heed to the ministry that has been given to you that you fulfill it so god has committed to every one of us the ministry of reconciliation what is the ministry of reconciliation it's the ministry of the gospel of christ that's it it's been given to you the moment you got born again this ministry was what was committed into your hands can god trust women when you were born again you were already ordained to preach the gospel a missionary that went to china by the name of city store says if jesus christ be god and died for me then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him if jesus christ be god and died for me then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him can god trust women psalm 68 verse 11 the lord gives the command the women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host the lord gave the word great was the company of those who proclaimed it so god puts a command out there and then some women take a hold of this and they proclaim it women who participated in god's purpose in the old testament i'll run through them quickly number one deborah judges chapter 4 verse 4 to 5 number 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 two miriam just uh just listen to them if you can write fine exodus chapter 15 verse 20 numbers chapter 12 verse 1 micah chapter 6 verse 4 shows both a prophetess and a song leader in israel Hulda, second kings chapter 22 verse 14 a woman by the name of Huldah. then this is the longest name in the old testament mahal shalas hasbas the mother that is isaiah chapter 8 verse 3 she was a prophetess she was a prophetess looked like a, an islamic name right women who participated in god's purpose in the new testament i, I just want to make this brief to stay your hunger but make sure you get the ebook when it's done we'll send it to every one of you read it for it to other women pray about it but this is just to stay your heart women who participated in god's purpose in the new testament the first message of the resurrection of christ was spoken by a woman to a group of men i'm going to really emphasize this anna luke chapter 2 verse 36 to 38 the bible says she she prophesied in the church she did not depart from the temple she was praying philip had four daughters who prophesied acts chapter 21 verse 9 priscilla assisted paul in his revival meeting and even taught apollos in the way of the lord more perfectly the scripture says priscilla and aquila they took apollos aside and expounded to him more excellently the way of the lord there was a woman in romans chapter 16 verse 1 to 2 phoebe paul commended phoebe to the church at rome and requested that they assist her in her business because she was one of paul's assistants please let's go to mark chapter 16 verse 1 to 7 i really want us to read this mark 16 1 to 7 Now, I want you to observe this. Now, when Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, 
Remember Mary Magdalene? Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices and they might come and anoint him. Verse 2, quickly. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. This was Jesus Christ now. Verse, verse 3. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? So these women, three of them, got and said, hey, let's go anoint Jesus. Let's go to the grave. Let's go anoint him. The next verse, verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. Verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Verse 6. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Can you imagine that these this man Jesus had 12 men following him following him all over the place for three and a half years and here he was talking about his resurrection you know without I've said this before sometimes people think it's controversial but it's not the cross alone is not the message of Christianity if Jesus did not rise from the dead we would not have a gospel in fact the gospel is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead because there were two thieves on the cross so just being on the cross right hello there were two thieves on the cross so the cross you wear is actually not the symbol of christianity it's the resurrection that's the symbol of christianity okay so look at this all the men where were they they were hidden in fear and these women went there hey i know some of you will not even try it if you know the cemetery is the other way you take this way around but they went there they went in the tomb to see if jesus was there and what happened the angel said, go tell Peter that he is risen. Can God trust women? Absolutely, yes. The first message of resurrection was committed to women to share to men. You know, sometimes we also feel that sometimes even in the gospel, it is men that have to do all the teaching. Oh, we are just learning, we are just learning, we are just learning. God could trust women to communicate that message to them. Why? Because all the men were afraid and i can show you all through history when men refused to stand up god raised women to do massive stuff maria woodwadetta katrin kuma all over church history in miracle signs wonders in fact some of the miraculous ministries that have ever been experienced on the earth came through women i'm a simple macpherson the founder of foursquare Maya Woodward Etta, marvelous woman of God. Catherine Coleman, she's more popular. Can God trust you with the gifts of the Spirit? Can God trust you with a healing power? Can God trust you with a miraculous ministry? Or you're just contented with cooking nice food, making nice bedsheets, being effective in the other room, and just having a nice time? Or you are one of those people who will say, Lord, here am I. Ketrin Kuma will always say that God is not looking for golden verses. God is looking for available people. Would you make yourself available? It's another year. What's going to be your passion? What's going to be your passion? The Samaritan woman. She was a messed up woman. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Please give me verse 39. John chapter 4. This woman who had five husbands messed up. She encountered Jesus. 
Whoa, glory to God. This is one of the most inspiring ladies in the scripture. She accounts that Jesus, the Bible says in John 4 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Many in the whole city. She wasn't a pastor, she hadn't gone for conferences, she didn't have MP3s, she didn't have books. She didn't have study Bible. You know, some of us are too knowledgeable to be effective in the kingdom. We know too much. We argue all the time. And we can't get, we can't get a rat saved. We just know too much. No, that's not what the Greek word says. That's what the Hebrew word says. Ah, when I was listening to this, when I was, you have listened to everybody in the world until you are confused. You are always running after favorite preachers. But this woman heard the gospel once. It impacted her. She turned the whole city to God. I mean the whole city. Not her neighbor. Not her neighbor. The whole city. Look, read the next verse. Interesting. Interesting. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two whole days. Now, now oof, this is good. Do you know why? Jesus was hungry. So Jesus didn't sit at that well because he wanted fun right the man was tired he was hungry so he sent his disciples for food and this woman came he was engaging you know if you read the story very well the the disciple says who is that woman that she's talking to that he's talking to you know that's how when you are very spiritual you bypass sinners like why do you talk to that kind of person why are you relating to that person you know spirituality of self-righteousness that makes you overlook sinners and Jesus engaged this woman. And because of this woman, Jesus had to stay in Samaria, Samaria for two days. One woman had to alter the itinerary of Jesus until that whole city heard the gospel. One woman who does not have a diploma from Bible school. What did she hear? The gospel and shared her testimony. That's why, sad but true, some of you were more effective when you just got born again. When you just got born again, that fire, that joy, you were more effective. But you know, the more you began to mature, you say, we're deep in Christ now. We're very deep. The deeper you got, the more you were unusable. You are just acquiring knowledge. Acquiring knowledge. You know the prayer of faith. You know intercession. You know everything. But when last did you win a soul? When last did you drive from your house and say, this evening, I want to go talk to someone about Jesus. When was the last time? Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, says, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. You don't have to be perfect to preach the gospel. The gospel is not the testimony of your life. The gospel is the testimony of Jesus. And we have to share it. We have to share it. Our time is going. Let's go out. I, I, I just want to pause to talk about Rahab, right? How Rahab affected the eternal purposes of God. I, I want to challenge you tonight. I, I want to plead with you. I want to challenge you tonight. Listen, God wants to use you for a greater purpose. Embrace it. Embrace it. God wants to use you for a greater purpose. I know if I had announced a kind of meeting will have a lot of people show up. It isn't amazing where we have gotten in church that even scriptural words do not move us. For instance, you hear a meeting about God's eternal purpose. Yeah, don't worry, I'll get the CD. Because it doesn't make sense, right? Like, 
what is it but you know if you say for instance how to hold your husband hostage <laughs> i'm just saying but you know the things that are interesting us in church right now are more self-comfort what will make us comfortable but there's a dying world out there one of the prayers i pray and if you are praying for me pray that prayer this is one of the prayer i pray i mean i pastor a good church i pastor people that love me i pastor one of the prayers i pray so much is god may i not get too comfortable to lose the fact that i am a missionary the day i get to that point in my life i'll be highly dissatisfied i always am conscious of the fact that i'm a missionary it's fine people can do whatever they need to do but listen for me it's the gospel it's taking it where it has not been it's reaching out to those who need to hear it it's about constantly leaving my comfort zone to make sure that people have access to truth and in my heart i pray daily that i never get comfortable to the point where i lose sight of that overriding purpose take out the excuses so i begin to wrap up take out the excuses in luke chapter 14 verse 20 we find the story of when jesus made a parable and people were invited to dinner some said oh i've just married i cannot come marital responsibilities home responsibilities it's not making you effective enough for god anymore some of you were married because you were firebrand and you got into the home and they poured a blanket over your fire you know when a fiery sister is young she can be interesting you know you see the sister every time she's praying she doesn't care about her wig she's praying her wig is flying flies out of her head she's still praying like whoa this is the one i've been looking for but you know what happened you get that same woman in the house and now she's saddled with so many responsibilities she's sleeping where she's praying she's sleeping on the bible But you know when you stand before the lord the lord is not going to ask you if your husband made you lazy you are accountable to god for your own life are you are you are you following what i'm saying the lord is not going to say oh okay it's fine you had six children okay sorry i didn't know before no you know what the lord would do i'm just saying i didn't read this from the bible this is my own mind thinking you know what the lord will do the lord will pull out a woman like susanna wesley the mother of Charles Wesley and John Wesley who had seven boys and gave the world to evangelists and pull out and say, hey, come on, take a look at that. Take out the excuses. Some say that I bought a new piece of land, prosperity, work, career. And people gave all kinds of excuses. But you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, go get the poor. Go get the lame. Come so that my house might be filled. That same passion. God wants his house filled. You know what I feel? I feel this. Like if we're too sophisticated for God to use us, he will use people who are not as sophisticated as we are and use them for his purpose. One thing I know is God's purpose cannot be stopped. It will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. Don't let the deceitfulness of riches get into you that your comfort is enough proof that you're doing God's will. It might not be enough proof. No, it might not. I'm sure about that. So... If you read that scripture, a lot of them have bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. We always have excuses. I want to challenge you to take out the excuses why you are not spreading the gospel effectively. Some of the common excuses we give. My family, my husband, my children, my work, my career, my friends, my social life. 
And we, we don't make the gospel part of our plans. We're in a new year. It's not part of our plan. Another thing I want to see you, I, I want to challenge you on tonight. Let's go quickly to Luke chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 1 to 3 and in the next couple of minutes we'll, we'll wrap up. Who is speaking the bills? Who is speaking the bills? Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Soon afterward, okay, now it came to pass after that he went through every city, talking about Jesus, every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Praise God. And the twelve were with him. Verse 2. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. So these were not perfect women. Come on. These were women who were formerly demon-possessed. So you could say Mary Magdalene, ex-demon-possessed. You could introduce us that. Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons. So you could say Mary Magdalene, ex-demon-possessed, bracket seven. Like a seven-star demon-possessed woman. But you know Jesus could still trust this woman to preach the gospel. So your past is not an excuse why you shouldn't preach the gospel. Oh, I had a rough past. You already said it was your past. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are not to preach your past. You are to preach the gospel. Look at what happened. Verse 3. And Jonah, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. If you read other translation, it says Herod, business manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance. So you see what happens here. Jesus takes Mary Magdalene, who is like the least of the, of the society, right? And takes a woman who was married to the economic advisor of Herod. You know what the scripture is trying to portray to us? That whether you are married to an elite or you are just there, who just got delivered, you still have a part in the kingdom. You, do you know why Jesus was traveling and wasn't concerned about the bills? Because there were some women who were paying the bills. So the next question I want to ask you, when last did you give to the kingdom? When last did you consciously and say, hey, come on, I want to give to the kingdom. Is there any missionary living today who benefits from your giving? Is there any pastor who can confidently say, hey, I can trust this lady to pick the bills while I go about teaching? When last did you give sacrificially to the kingdom? See, they didn't give crumbs. Who these women were helping to support them out of their own means. When last did you sacrificially support a ministry from the kingdom? Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Let's pause a bit. The race is getting, is getting hot. The desire to have more is getting intense. Once in a while, we have to pull ourselves back and say there's something called the kingdom of God. Once in a while, we have to pull ourselves back and say there's something called the gospel. Jesus says, the poor you always have among you. Even my own life, I think two years ago, the Lord began to deal with us in our home and say, hey, you're helping a lot of people, but you guys aren't giving to the gospel as you should give. The greatest help you can give to these people is the gospel. We have to reevaluate our own giving. In the light of the scriptures. So these people picked up the bills of Jesus. And as a woman, I want to ask you, are you truly committed to advancing the gospel financially? Are you consistent with it? Have you denied? I'm not talking about my husband gives. You know, we give as a family. That's fantastic. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. 
But we all know that you all have your women money, right? <laughs> we all know. That extra money, that's what I'm asking about. I'm not talking about we are givers. No, that's fine. I'm, talk I'm talking about the extra one that goes for your many, many things. You understand know what I'm saying? Those extra money that just shows up because they support it from their own means. I just want to challenge you. This is not about me and my husband, we pay tight. No, no. We are one flesh. No, no, no. Jesus knew that they were one flesh before he put the scripture there. You will know if you are given to the kingdom. Alright? As I'm preaching, if you feel a sense of just know that the Lord is speaking to your heart about it. About it. Alright? I want you to see that God is counting on women more than you think. Can you see this? He's counting on them to preach. He's counting on them to finance. And it's almost like the whole equation, God is not asking, where's your husband? It's like God is saying, you, I can trust you guys to do this job. It's amazing how God can trust us. Taking care of society is a great deal, but never forget the gospel is priority to God and its financing. John Piper said, all the money needed to send and support an army of self-sacrificing, joy-spreading ambassadors is already in the church. Simple ways to share the gospel. Share messages taught in church to your contacts. Take advantage of it. Number two, invite young people in your sphere and disciple them. Have a young person you are discipling. Have a young girl. You're teaching the word of God. Women have a lot of influence. You, some of you have a lot of influence. Even more influence than some men. Use it for the gospel. Those you sponsor in school, make sure they hear the gospel. Make sure they are born again. Whoever you're sending to school, when they come on holidays, bring them, ask them. Ensure that they receive Christ. You know, when the Lord began to deal with, with me on this, I was sharing with our children leader, and I said, let's make sure all the children within the age of my son and all this, before the end of the year, they understand the gospel, and we lead them to Christ, that they actively receive the Lord into their lives. That's our target for our children ministry right now. Because we're not just coming here to sing, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. They must have the light before it shines. We are not assuming that they are born again. Even my son, I'm not assuming that he's born again. So I said, this year, for those in that class, we want to make sure by the end of the year that they actively receive the gift of salvation. And next year, we'll start teaching them what salvation means. It's important. It's important. That's God's heartbeat. Ensure that your children are born again. Don't assume that they like church. They might just like the rug. They might just like the lights. Let their salvation be paramount to you. Your maid, sit her down and ask her about the gospel. The people around you. Praise God. Share books and materials that will deepen people's faith. Set a portion of your income in, in the spread of the gospel beyond your offering. Invite people to church services and meetings. Pray for those who are not born again using the Pauline prayers. Make the gospel a priority in your yearly goals. Hearing the gospel, doing the gospel, sharing the truths of the gospel. Be involved in the outreaches of your local church. Adopt a missionary and support them. You can ask your local church pastor to help you identify missionaries who need support. Three questions you must ask yourself as I close. One, when last did I win a soul by preaching the gospel? When last did you do that? When last did you do that? When last did you get someone in with the gospel? Number two, when last did I share the gospel to deepen someone's conviction? 
I'll tell you this. There is a lot of wave going out there. A lot of doctrines. A lot of instability. Even some people in church, you are not even sure. They don't even know what they believe anymore. We have to deepen people's faith. We have to deepen people. Where last did you take a sister apart and deepen her faith and convictions in the things of God? And say, hey, let's just share the gospel. This is what I was studying. This is what I came across. Where last did you deepen someone's faith? I'm not talking about sharing with your husband. I'm talking about going out of your way to say, hey, today I'm setting out to go deepen my sister's faith in the gospel. You know, it's easy when people die or some bad things happen for all of us to gather around and, and say, well, we don't know. God takes, God, God gives, God takes. If you don't understand the scripture, it's better you keep quiet and just say things you don't know. It is well, take heart. God knows better. He's in a better place. We say all kinds of funny things. But have you set a time to say nothing is wrong? I mean, no, I'm not talking about when people are going through stuff and you're going to encourage them. That's being led by their circumstances. This is going actively and say, hey, why did you come today? I just wanted to share something with you. I just wanted to deepen your faith. I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. But you cannot do that if you, even if you don't have time to study the gospel. When last did you give large sums of money to the proclamation of the gospel outside of your offering? My emphasis is on large. I had to ask myself this question when I was preparing this message. And I'm sure thinking, when last did I give something substantial? You know, I'll say this to you, and I'm saying this with a, with a, with a note of caution. We've bashed so much on giving and receiving in the body of Christ, like Okay, we don't give to get anything from God. We don't give to get anything from God. And if we are not careful, we will spring to the extreme. Where we aren't giving at all. We will go to the extreme. Watch it. Watch. In the next couple of years, you will go to the extreme. Because now it's about, ah, you don't give to get, get anything from God. It's free. It's free. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how sometimes I struggle to get my missionaries' needs to be met monthly. Because we won't beg, we won't ask, we just have to trust the Lord. But when we say we are trusting the Lord, what are we actually talking about? We're trusting God to move his children to respond. Because now, everything about the gospel, oh, pastor, is about money. Oh, it's money they want. Oh, it's money they want. I'd rather give to the poor. I'd rather, I'd rather give to someone who does not have food. I'd rather buy bread and give to uh, mad people in the street and God will be happy. The devil wouldn't mind that. Yeah. See, the enemy would not mind us feeding the whole world as far as we don't preach the gospel. He wouldn't mind it. It wouldn't do anything to him. The enemy would not mind us sending the whole world to school. The enemy would not mind us sewing school uniforms for everybody in the world. Does he affect his kingdom? Absolutely no. But the, the enemy would mind if a missionary is sustained in the field for preaching the gospel. That will do more damage to him than one million people who have food on their table. I'm not saying that it's wrong. Please get me right. I'm not saying all of that is wrong. But I'm saying that, listen, saints, we have a God who's got a dream, and the dream is the gospel, and we have to make sure that the dream is getting fulfilled. Ask yourself these three questions. When last did you preach to someone? When last did you deepen someone's conviction? When last did you give large sum of money to the gospel? When last did you, did you share a teaching message with the aim of covering the earth with the knowledge of God's word? Do a sincere evaluation of your commitment to the gospel and ask the Lord to help you. David Livingstone said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? 
We must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. I like this quote by Abraham Koyepa. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Harry Martin said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. Randy Alcon says, the opportunities for using our financial resources to spread the gospel and strengthen the church all over the world are greater than they have ever been. As God raised up Esther for such a time as this, I'm convinced he's going to raise us up with all our wealth to help fulfill the Great Commission. The question is, what are we doing with that money? Our job is to make sure it gets to the intended recipients. I want to challenge you tonight. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm believing the Lord. I, it's something I've prayed. I'm trusting that this message will get to at least a thousand women. That's something I'm believing the Lord for. And we're going to get to it. But I sense that the Lord is putting a call across to women again. That it's time to rise. Rise now with the passion of God's global vision. We keep doing the things we're doing, but let's readjust our priorities. I believe that there's a greater demand in the body of Christ. And there's a greater... Uh, there's a greater dimension put on in the body of Christ. And uh, it's time. And the reason I say this, and I say this with a lot of pain in my heart, I'm also seeing that a lot of men, it's, it's almost like men are not rising up with the passion they should for the gospel. We look across our churches and you see women who are active and the men are just too busy. And sometimes it is because of the way we pastors have also dealt with men because we've dealt with them as funders of the gospel. Do you understand? Like, just bring the money. Go and bring the money, right? So pastors say, hey, go, go, bring the money. Let's build the kingdom. And then the wives are like, ah, bring the money, take care of the home. And so in the sense of a man, all he's about in life is to get the money, either for his pastor and for his home. And I'm going to share this with men also. We're going to have a conversation around this. Because, listen to me, God has a dream. And he's counting on us. Angels will not preach the gospel. Spirits will not preach the gospel. If you don't preach it, it won't be preached. If you don't effectively get in for the gospel, it won't go there. If you don't give to the gospel, it's not going to go forward. So I want you to reevaluate. I want you to pray and ask the Lord to help you. Amen. Let's bow ahead. Father, I want to thank you for challenging us lord we ask that you help us to reevaluate, to reprioritize to make a commitment to your kingdom lord we pray that you help us where we are short in our commitment to the gospel to rise up lord i, I pray on behalf of pastors that you help us to refocus and rechannel the direction of the body of christ to God's purpose in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.